Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. This is week two of COVID-19 and today's guest is Andy Hallett. He has had 20 years of experience with S3. He'll have worked with and managed some of the leading CEOs in the recruitment industry who have gone on to set up companies like RockSearch, Austin Fraser, and a litany of other firms. He has spent most of his career, all of his career, with S3 until recently when he has parted company and he's gone out on his own. He is advising recruitment founders how to fix their shit. So it could be your finances, your technology, your processes, your strategies. And he's. it's not like wishy-washy NEDs out there that haven't had experience in big businesses or have had experience in businesses a thousand years ago. And, you know, he has been at the coal phase for years and no better man to have on during this crisis than the fixer himself, the Ray Donovan of agency recruitment. So welcome, Andy Hallett. And I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, give it a like and share. Um, really want to get as many people on as possible who are at the coalface at the moment in agency recruitment, trying to win clients, trying to manage their staff, trying to manage their finances, trying to survive this so we're all okay at the other side. And we had a good chat, me and Andy, and I've, I've had a lot of personal experience with him over the last month, and he's jumped in and helped me with my own business and... I just think that he has a tremendous amount of value and insight to offer. Um, if you want to connect with Andy, just get him on LinkedIn. He's usually pretty active and will respond. His business is called RecSpand. So it's for scalable recruitment firms. And uh, he is an awesome guy. All right. So over to the podcast. Hope you are all well. Aren't ready to throw your children out the top floor of your house. Uh, not that I am. I love them very much. And we will be back tomorrow probably with another one. So enjoy this one in the meantime. All right. And we are live. We've been threatened to, threatening to do this for a little while. And... Um, we needed to get into a crisis situation before we had to call the Ray Donovan of agency recruitment. How are you, Andy Hallett? Good, thank you. Hold up here in Reading. Um, I'm not in self-isolation, but we are in lockdown here. So, um, but yeah, trying to keep busy. All the redundant recruiters haven't been uh, breaking into your house for food and, and wine? No, we're, we're quite well stocked for both, but... Um, no, it's quite it's it's quite safe around here. Yeah, and you're away from the family. They're in South Africa right now. Is that right? Yeah. So um, since July 18, um, wife and kids um, been down in Cape Town, and I've been commuting between London and Cape Town, using uh, working from home and some some nice holidays. And um, yeah, so um, I was due to be back there now. Um, but the music stopped and um, yeah, it looks like I'm stuck in the UK. What's it like, what's it like there with this? So um, 
Yeah, they, they've gone really early. They've had um, they've got relatively low infection rate. Um, they've had no deaths, um, but they're on a 21 day lockdown as of tomorrow. So they they've gone early, and I think they're probably three or four weeks behind um, us, and probably six weeks behind Italy. So I think they've actually learned that you know actually let's stop this as quickly as we can and um, and and bring down that curve. Do you think they'll be able to handle it when it gets into the per communities? I'm really not sure. Um, you know, I think it's no one knows what's going to happen. I think the whole thing about this crisis is is completely unprecedented. So, um, you know, what as a, as a nation, it's it's one of the most positive and amazing places, even with all of the poverty. And I think if you, you know, I was there for the World Cup. Obviously, the wrong result um, in a room of 25 South Africans and me wearing an England shirt, but. You know, as a nation, they really do come together, and I think they've got some really strong leadership. They've shown strong leadership, and I think, you know, if they can get through this, I think they'll come out of the other side even stronger. For anybody who doesn't know you, um, can you can you give me uh, your elevator pitch, please? Well, I guess um, I'm still working that out, actually. Um, as we'll go on to, I'm relatively new to all of this, but um, I joined the staffing business in 1999. Um, so I joined Huxley Associates as a trainee recruiter. Um, I went through contract recruiter, through to manager, through to um, commercial manager at Huxley, and then commercial director for the S3 group. Um, my last role there was um, working on investments and innovation. So, you know, pretty much I'm 20 years at S3. Um, background primarily in contract and uh, and a background in you know effectively being part of what's been an amazing um, a growth you know of, of, of a fantastic organisation. Talk to me about those early days because I I've had lots of guests on um, from different firms and uh, there seems to be a nucleus of founders that came from S three around that time. What what was that like? I guess you didn't know it at the time, but what, what I would say is um, S3 has always had, you know, in my opinion, amazing work ethic um, led by inspirational people. And, and that really goes even back to the sort of, you know, Bill and Simon who founded the company. Um, then you've got people like Russell and Sunil who were the sort of number, you know, very early employees, Tim Lloyd. And, and you can list off a whole um, raft of names. All of these um, were amazing salespeople who then became amazing business people and then became inspirational, aspirational leaders. But never lost that can-do culture, um, never lost that culture once, you know, once once the company decided it was going to go and do something. It did it, um, and it did it well. And I think it, it very much started from um, a very strong um, work ethic. Um, I think, you know, we... Um, we found certainly when we joined the company, myself and my peers, that wow, you know, these guys work hard and you know they reward well, but they work hard. And and it was fun as well. You know, we growing that business was was fun. Working with very like-minded, talented people, and and everything felt possible. Um, so yeah, it was just an amazing environment led by um I, I would say that the single most important thing was the quality of the leadership and the leadership of Walk Walk as well. What companies have come from S3 off the top of your head where the founders were trained? So there's been some fantastic ones. Um, typically, you'll think about the exits. Um, yeah. But if you think about Frank Group, 
um, if you think about Faden. Um, so Frank was um, Sean Wadsworth, Faden, Adam Buck. Um, there's some fantastic other businesses around there as well. So um, of the guys that I would have worked with, um, you've got people like um, Dell Simpson and Pete Hart, uh, um, Austin Frazee, you've got Connor Rockney at Rock Search. You know, they, they, were, they, were, they were great um, great people to work with and they've gone on and built some great businesses. So it's amazing. And that's only, that's only a snapshot of, of, of some of them. There, there, there's a tremendous amount. To, you know, to, it's amazing that they all came out of that one location in S3. So it's not like it's out of the global brand. It's all out of either Reading or the London, or the London presence. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that the strange thing about S3 is um, it's almost like um, it's almost like the house system. Um, for those who didn't go to a school that had a house system, think Harry Potter. But, um, you know, so I was Huxley Associates. And back in the day, brand rivalry was absolutely fierce. So um, Gary Eldon was the managing director. Mike Smith was our contract director. Uh, Scott Fulton, who runs um, S3 out on the west coast of the U.S., was my boss who, who started Reading Europe and, and, and the States. So actually, we were just tribal, um, you know, and there was massive competition within S3. So it was it, it was almost like to say that we, we, we competed against each other probably as hard, if not harder, than, than the external parties. And that bred a real... Um, that bred a real culture of, of a winning culture of, and, and, and not getting sort of resting on your laurels. And, uh, and that was really powerful as well. Was uh, Backdoor Barry any use as a recruiter? So I met Backdoor Barry um, when I joined in 99. And Barry was a student um, in a gap year and he was doing resourcing. So effectively photocopying, um, but also resourcing. And yeah, you could you could actually tell he had something about him then as well. So um, and yeah, I got I got to know him um, briefly over that summer, and he's a top lad, and we've stayed in touch since. Yeah, yeah in uh, in hard times like this, it's good to have level-headed, smart killers around you. It's uh, it's probably the best thing of doing this podcast is I've collected quite a few uh, because I think it's easy to make the wrong decisions when your back's against the wall. And for, for me personally, now I'm trying to make the right ones, but trying to listen to those around me because everybody has an opinion. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. But in these times, it's, it's very hard. What, what advice would you have for anybody that's having to make hard decisions right now? I think the thing about decisions is your best place to take them. So no one can tell you what decision to take. Um, people can question you. They can provide, um, if you like, that sort of critique. And have you thought about this? But ultimately, the, the two things about decisions you need to know are you need to be accountable for them and you need to take them. So, you know, take a decision and be strong about it. The, the only thing worse than a bad decision is no decision because teams around you, people around you, your customers, your candidates, they're going to be looking for leadership in this market. So, you know, Take a decision, be decisive. Um, communicate, tell people what you're doing. Um, so look, my advice is your best place to run your business. Take the decision, don't second guess yourself. And you know your instinct, your data will inform that decision. Only change that decision if, if your data fundamentally changes, if something fundamentally changes. Um, you know, have, you know, your strategies will be changing. 
um, due to where we are now. But, but take those decisions and be strong about them. What did you learn about strategy? 20 years at S3, you probably were in three crashes, is that right? Yeah, so I was thinking back through this. So um, when I joined on the contract desk, um, we had no jobs. Um, everyone had done their Y2K testing, so no one wanted to do anything. So, so I actually started in, although everyone thinks the 90s is an amazing market, um, July 99 was about as bad as it got. But then 2000 came and um, everyone started piling into dot-coms and that was amazing until the dot-com crash. And that's probably the first recession we saw. Um, literally companies that were printing money going out of business. And, you know, the, you know that, that, was, that was tough. Um, and so 2001. Then through to the financial crash, 2007, um, that, was, that was pretty, pretty harsh. Huxley were a banking business. So, you know, that pretty much you know, meant we had to, you know, restructure, regroup. And, and latterly, um, the oil crisis, you know, um, part of, um, a big part of our book was around um, global energy. So I, I reckon I've seen three definite crashes in my um, career, and this is most certainly the fourth. So, so, so yeah, look, the, the advice around it is simple, you know. Um, you have to be better than your you know, even better than you were in a good market. You have to focus on why your customers use you, what your value is, what your utility is to them, and and, and just be bigger and better. What, uh, let's say you're sitting down with a founder and they're saying, Andy, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Um, it's been good for a while. Where do you start? Like, what's the first question? How do you, how does, how does Ray Donovan go into problem solving mode on this? So, look, I mean, first and foremost, I haven't done it outside of S3. I think that's, that's, that's fundamental to say. So, I'm not coming in and saying that I've helped 20, 30 founders, but I think what I would do is I would look at it as on the basis of, you know, be it a country unit or be it a business unit. And, and essentially, what you, you sort of go through is a playbook of, um, you know, the data. So what, what's fundamentally changed? Um, have your job flows changed? Um, have your ratios changed? Um, have your payment profiles changed? And, and actually then understanding that then gives you options around how you deal with that and potentially what levers you pull. The big danger that you potentially have in these situations is you're right in the eye of the storm of it. Okay, you know, you will have things, you'll have bad news, you'll have lots of different things coming at you. It's very, very difficult to do. But where I've seen um, that organization work brilliantly is where they've sat down, they've looked at the fundamentals, they've looked at, you know, the short, the medium, the long term, and they've taken decisive, decisive decisions for the business. Now, they've not always been popular. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, hindsight is treated them but they've been decisive and they've based it around the data and they've based it around, okay, our overall strategy is this, okay, this has changed. How do we still get back to where we want to be? Um, bearing in mind that the route may not, have, um, not be as, um, may not be open. How do we get there? I think the tricky piece to this is in the world outside of S3, we're not as good at collecting data. We're not as good at knowing our ratios. How does how does that founder who's been a bit sloppy, like what's 
what type of stuff, like what type of granular stuff do you get into? Well, typically what will happen, right, is, is understanding your data. And it may not be down to that minutiae level, but you'll know from your gut, you'll know from your people, you'll know from... You know, you, I, I, I have no jobs on, I have, uh, or I have no candidates. Or... Yeah, but I've, I've generally not met... I, I think founders, generally, the profile are, they're great salespeople, they knew their numbers, they knew what they had to do to get those numbers, and most of them are very detail-orientated around that. Generally, I don't think I've ever had a problem with, with the people I know and the people that I've seen go and set up other businesses getting hold of that data. They, they generally there or thereabouts know. If they don't have it, there's never a better time right now than to start measuring because you need to take those, um, my advice would be you need to be taking those decisions based around the data because potentially, you know, as a recruitment business owner, you've got a certain amount of levers and, and recruitment businesses are relatively simple, okay? You've got your, um, you've got certain cost base. Traditionally, that's going to be your staff and that's going to be your property. Um, you know, there's not much else. SaaS software, potentially not much else. Then you've got your revenue stream and that's twofold. You know, have you got enough jobs coming in? Have you got enough candidates to fill those jobs? So disequilibriums in that, understanding how that works. And if you're in a candidate driven market and actually, you know, you, you just haven't got enough jobs, to fill, um, that's troublesome as well. So you just need to understand how those ratios work and how's that changed from the last three months? How's that changed from the three months? And actually, well, or is this just a March thing? You know, we're in the we're in the public sector. It's a March thing because budgets run up. Right. Okay. So let's not panic. Let's understand that the budgets always come back first of April. But uh, what are, what are our customers telling us about the first of April? You know, are we getting those um, vacancies? Are we getting those bookings in? Those type of things are are the ones you need to look at. And it's not always obvious because if you listen to the noise around. It's very, very different. I look out my window now, life looks good, right? The sun's shining, the birds are singing, you wouldn't know what's going on in the world, right? If I turn on the news, it's a completely different story. It's about that sort of, you know, it's about having the ability. And, and I've seen that, you know, leadership that I've worked with and been part of discussions where we've really put our foot on the ball and taken, you know, those difficult decisions, but in a decisive way. In a decisive and a right way, has it shocked you? Maybe some of the actions of the last few weeks. Have you seen? Have you seen people maybe do things the wrong way? Look, I, I've been surprised actually. It's it's actually been better than I thought it would be. Um, but there's there's a number of firms, and um, you know, people know who they who they are, and and I'm sure after all this is over, it will really come out. And you know, these these firms. On the, on the face of it, they look amazing. Um, they've got an amazing external brand image, but they're going to trash their brand. They've spent hundreds of thousands of pounds years building up in minutes just around their actions. And you know, I've got no problem with brands taking um, and, and firms taking decisive decisions. You have to do it. You have to, you know, as business leaders, you have a fiduciary duty to protect the business and protect as many, therefore protect as many people and the shareholders in, in the business. I, I get that. But it's how you do it, you know. So, and doing it in a fair way, um, doing it in a, um, I guess, an empathetic way as well. Mm. But, you know, there are people being let go for reasons that they weren't let go. You know, people know it. You know, people are being fired for performance issues when we know it wasn't a performance issue. 
They just happen to have less than two years service and no employment rights. So I think I think there's a lot of companies out there that you know are you know potentially how they do it. Be honest with people. You know, I think I think no one no one's foolish to believe that you know firms aren't going to um, face challenge and fully understand what's actually going on out there. So if, if you level and say, listen, you know, this is how it is. We're really sorry. However. You know, and do it in a classy way, rather than just you know, actually for the sake of saving a few quid on doing a process properly, just just make up reasons. And and you know what, you're going to see when all of this is over, the the brands that acted with class will rise to the top, and people have a long memory about the ones that didn't. And those those war stories are going to come out pretty hard and fast. Well, you saw my post yesterday about Joe Mullings. And yeah, what a top act that is. Yeah, P- pays ten grand on the worst day of the of the crash, and says, "Hold on to that. I need you right on the other side." Yeah, and that's for me. That's that's something else. And then on the other side, you know, you're you're chasing fees off people who are pretending they don't owe you. So it's it's a very hard time as a founder right now to get that money in. Do it the right way. And as Joe said to me yesterday, get get those lines of credit, but then get your people together and get them focused on what you can do. His big pump is he's flipping three of his executive search people, I think he said three, or, or he intimated it anyway, into their uh, technology interim project that they have going. Um, so he's like, I'm taking this opportunity to build something that on the other side is going to be ready. I'm pushing it forward by three months. So he's, he's, uh, he, he would admit himself he's quite demanding. He expects a tremendous amount. But in times like this, you can see, you can see why, why he runs such a good business. Yeah, and I think, I think people have got to be thinking around what the new normal looks like. So, I mean, this is, this is an amazing opportunity to you know for firms to really understand where their value is to their customers and it's an amazing opportunity to say in three or six months you know what is it you know what does what my business look like and also as well my advice to anyone in this market right now is what do you want to be remembered for in march 2020 in april 2020 when people look back around the actions you took as a business as a leader how do you want to be remembered and actually how people conduct and act themselves now will, you know, under pressure is the truest trait of anyone's character. You know, how, you know, think about, you know, the friends that are there for you when you have a bad time. It's exactly the same with companies. How they treat people, how they treat their customers, how they treat their contractors, how they treat their staff, it will really, really win through. I mean, I I remember a time that, you know, at S3, you know, we we had some big, um, big companies go down on us, um, people like Enron, et cetera. And we paid all the contractors, you know, contractually could have wiggled out of it. You know, we could have, we could have, you know, we, you know, we had really, really good type contracts, but actually what does that do to our business? What does that do to the trust? What does that do to the reputation of, of, of the brand that we spend all that time building up? And actually this, you know, the, you know, actually the easy decision is protect your brand because you think how much that's going to cost it costs to build up, how much you've invested, and how much it costs to go, you know, how much it costs to rebuild after something like that. Mm. And brands, you know, think of things like Bell Pottinger, think of things like Ratner's, 
just think of all the classic brands that have spent years and years building up and been destroyed in minutes, mm. days, weeks. And, and you know, people are not thinking like that. Talk to me about uh, your new business. What a time to be launching. Now it's a brilliant time to be launching. Um, so it can only get better. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think, you know, after 20 years at S3, um, you know, I had an amazing time there. Um, it's a phenomenal company, um, phenomenal people. Um, I met some of my best friends. I worked with some aspirational, inspirational people, worked with some amazing people. Um, and it's just an opportunity to go and meet new people, um, learn, you know, um, from other companies, um, do some of the things that, you know, actually weren't in my responsibility S3, but I really wish would be so. Um, I'm just working through my proposition at the moment. Um, as I say, I wasn't planning to actually do anything until after Easter. Um, I'm a bit lazy like that. So I was supposed to be in Cape Town, sat on the beach. But um, since um, since I'm here, I might as well, uh, yeah. I might as well be useful. So it, it's a real eye-opener to me. Um, I had some amazing conversations. There's some fantastic businesses out there, some, some I'm really, really keen to, um, to go and work with. Um, I've been working on... Um, some projects for some customers um, who um, who I um, started with in, in, in early March. Um, I was doing I35 work packages. I'm looking at people's um, effectively doing discovery uh, work packages on people's contractor books. And and I reckon you know my my background is going in um, effectively looking at how people can make better revenues, save costs, and um, you're a process engineering type, aren't you? Sorry. Like it's a lot of process engineering. You look at all the minutia, don't you? You know what? I think I think a lot of recruitment businesses and uh, you know recruitment businesses are amazing sales businesses, and and recruitment companies do sales better than any companies. Okay, and and that's what they are. They're sales machines with a bit of a back office tagged on. Now, typically, what most recruitment businesses want to do is sell, and and proper businesses come and buy recruitment businesses. So I think. Typically, what, what's happened is that's not taken as serious as it could be. Um, and actually, when people come to sell, um, if they've not got the right structures in place, then they'll either have to spend time rebuilding those structures or they're going to take a chip on their price. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think where potentially I've done the sales, I did sales for, you know, through effectively through manager, through to um, consultant, through training to director. I'm able to understand how difficult it is for the sales guys to recruitment. I'm, under, I'm uh, and, and then I'm able to translate that into, well, okay, you can do it like this, and or you can do it like this, and but I know what you mean. And and actually, you know, my my background is effectively stitching those two together, um, and 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 developing those revenue opportunities, making sure the structures are in place, and 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 actually a lot of you know, a lot of these companies have got great ops teams, great commercial teams in place. They just haven't ever got to that point where, you know, they've, they've encountered this um, proposition. So, you know, just understanding those 101s and just challenging why people have done that. Um, you know, we've always done it like that, but why? And then going back and giving them the courage to change. Um, the other thing to say at the moment is there is some amazing tech out there. Um, now, I've, I've, it's a double-edged sword because there's amazing tech out there. Um, but only, it's only amazing if you use it and you adopt it. So there's some some great stuff out there that can add massive value to recruitment organisations. 
there's also some you know stuff that if if you didn't implement it properly then you just end up spending a lot of money on licenses and you wouldn't get the value so actually understanding people's problems their biggest problem and their biggest opportunity the question i always get asked is people look at my profile and say well where would you use you and i typically say the best the most efficient way of using me is on your biggest problem or your biggest opportunity and that's where i'll deliver the most value Excellent. Well, uh, I'd like to say thank you for uh, you've been a sounding board for us over the last the last little while. Um, it's uh, it's made a big it's made a big difference. And we're we're a much smaller business than you would normally encounter, so it's it's probably a very different uh, scenario. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's been really good and very uh, very helpful. Uh, getting, I suppose, those two sides that you said in terms of operations and sales, they're the two that me and Charlotte tend not to marry together perfectly. So it's uh, it's from first-hand experience. Um, I, know it, uh, I know it works well. Tell me, uh, where can people find you, Andy? So I'm on LinkedIn. Um, or you can, um, yeah, I'm just currently working on the joys of building my own website. Um, currently points to my LinkedIn page, um, Andy at Rexband.com. Um, that's the name of my company, Rexband, um, which stands for recruitment expansion. Um, Gary Olin hates the name, which is always a good sign. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, um, that's where I am. Um, but yeah, um, as I say, at, at the moment, I think everyone's just in a let's see what happens mode, which is um, a good time to be having conversations with people, finding out where they want to get to um, once all this is over. Because I think I think actually being positioned for companies to come out of the blocks when mm. you know the other advice is I would say having done three very big downturns is however hard it's gone down, it's always come back bigger and better. So. The, the danger is, you know, you're not ready for when that comes and you're still in hunker down mode as opposed to full on attack mode. So, um, so yeah, um, having those conversations with people right now so we can get out the blocks when, um, you know, everyone's allowed back in the office and, you know, everyone's allowed, you know, to, to, you know, to be, to be meeting up and doing things. Very excited around just how, how quickly this industry will rebound. Yeah. Well, we'll we're going to, we'll do a follow up one, um, in the rebound when the boom's happening and we'll, uh, we'll look, hopefully we'll look back at this with, uh, you know, that we've made some good decisions and some logical ones, but thanks very much for coming on and um, really appreciate it. And I always, always appreciate uh, you as a sounding board, Andy. Thanks. Take care of yourself. Safe trip home. <laughs>